decided that we were going to start podcasting together Mm -hmm. and we decided exactly what we were going to talk about and we further decided that it was going to be about things that neither of us were into but we just really wanted to wax poetically about it to each other right and see if there was just a chance that we could convince the other to get into the fandom and join the other in holy, harmonious content matrimony. Right. And the first thing that you said to me was Star Trek The Next Generation. Yes. And the first thing that I said to you was pro wrestling. Yes. Tell me, Scott, what is your opinion of pro wrestling? Well... I don't think that this is going to be that much of a challenge. I already like wrestling in that I don't care. I don't care that it's fake. I don't turn my nose up at it. Uh, there was a period of my life where I followed it when I was a preteen. I've played several of the WWE video games. I've played several other wrestling video games and I find them fun. My favorite wrestling video game I think is SmackDown. I want to say like 2007 or something like that. It was an Xbox 360 game and I played the shit out of that game. It was so fun. It was unbelievably fun. So my understanding of wrestling, my relationship with wrestling is that it's cool. I don't hate it. I don't watch it because I have other priorities and i don't have the energy to go and find it it's not a it's not on netflix it doesn't have the casual accessibility of even anime there's anime on netflix you know what i mean yeah so i need that extra motivation to take that step to go watch raw to sign up for aew whatever that's where i'm at and my well, my, so, fav- my favorite wrestler, I should end this real quick, is uh, Ric Flair. So oh woo yeah woo. I can't because my voice is shot from screaming my head off in a metal band for most of my twenties, so I can't woo like I used to. But I wooed in spirit there. Yeah. Um, listen, man, wrestling video games are the shit. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. Uh so I totally understand where you're at with that, right? Um, and I'm glad that you said that because. There is an air of this arc that we are about to venture into regarding pro wrestling that is really based around why content like video games for pro wrestling is so vital and so important to keeping the person engaged and why specifically it was so vital to my history with pro wrestling. Mm -hmm. So we're already off to a great start. And what start is that? Welcome back to King of the Shill. I forgot to introduce the show. I'm Chris. I'm Scott. We're talking about pro wrestling today because you see, if this is your first time joining us, King of the Shill is a conversational podcast where Scott and I talk to each other about things that we're into 
that maybe the other person isn't. Yeah. Or maybe we're just looking for somebody to talk to about this because nobody else will talk to us about it. Right. This is the I want I don't want to shout this into the void, so I'll shout it at you instead. Podcast. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly right. And we today are introducing what I think is going to be my magnum opus while we're on the show because it is something that it's very near and dear to my heart and if you haven't figured it out yet you're probably not paying all that much attention so i'll say it again it's pro wrestling we are introducing the pro wrestling arc today which means anytime we release a shill which for first timers or people that might have forgotten will be every other week after this one so we will be taking a break in between the the pro wrestling talk every week to make sure that we or every other week, rather, to make sure that we provide some much-needed breath in between the, uh, how do I want to say it? Information dump. Yeah. Yes. Right. (laughs) The the information dump. You went for practicality. I went for kind of a dig on my love, but... Yes. (laughs) But uh, rest assured, there will be no shortage of carnies and no shortage of carny terms. So uh, today, what I really want to do, Scott, is I kind of want to get a little bit of a basis on where you're at with pro wrestling, some of the things that you're familiar with, and uh, also sort of touch on some of the things that we'll be covering in this, because I got to tell you, man, this was not easy to put together. I don't imagine. Specifically, well, specifically because there's just so much content in professional wrestling from all over the world from so many time periods and it's all so very different and it's all very unique to itself that I struggled with trying to figure out whether I should position something that I think is going to be exclusive to your tastes, whether I was going to curate a selection of content to show you that was going to be more of a singular, this is where I come from kind of deal, right? Mm -hmm. But ultimately, I settled on, what are the things that stand out to me about pro wrestling whenever I think about it? What are some of the things that I go back to? What are some of the things that brought me back to it when I fell out? And why am I still into it today? And this all is going to culminate in a real-life pay-per-view that's going to happen Labor Day weekend. Yes, that we are going to sit down and watch together and we're going to talk about it afterwards. And it's coming up with AEW's all out. So you're in for a ride, Scott. I uh, you're going to take me for a ride. Is that what you're telling me? I'm going to take you for a ride. That's right. Well, I mean, you sent me your notes while you were kind of throwing some ideas around and that alone intimidated me. And. I think I think it's also right. There's a layer of complexity with talking about this in that the fan base has their own lore and culture. It really is a culture into itself that is hard to translate. It's like any enthusiast culture. Film is this way. Sports is this way. Uh, I mean, even fighting games. I'll go back to my old standby. I'll go back to the meme. If I describe a combo to somebody 
okay, well, you have to, this is not a real combo, but you have to, when you're playing soul, if you 6P in, in the corner, the wall bounce, you have to micro dash so that you can hit the Roman cancel, which is 623 heavy slash. And after you clean hit the Roman cancel, uh, clean hit the uh, uh, DP, you have to Roman cancel. And at the top, you can do like, there's a lot of nonsense words in there, right? That right. no mm -hmm. person is going to understand. And that's definitely that's a part of wrestling too, right? Not even beyond the terminology, you have to understand some concepts about wrestling. I think to really grasp the magic. I think what's interesting about that point is that it's so very accurate, but also at the same time, it's so different from the application to um, sports, for example. And I think it's because like, when you're when you're a spectator at a sports game, you're not in on it, right? Mm -hmm. You're not part of the playmaking. You're not making the the calls for the refs. You're not participating right. in that at all. As a crowd member at a pro wrestling show, and I, I'm I'm going to elaborate on this a little bit because I I <laughs> I want to be very careful about my selection of words here. As a crowd member in a pro wrestling show, you are very much part of the show. You're mm -hmm. in on it. It's in 2021, in the year of our Lord and Savior, Kenneth Omega, <laughs> 2021. You are effectively part of the show for better or worse. And that is because there's, there was a very historical shift in pro wrestling when it came to the mystique of it and that magic and pro wrestling exists simultaneously in the lexicon of spectator sports in both that there was a time when people viewed it as though it were like a football or a basketball mm -hmm. and weren't aware that it was a show and were watching people like Ric Flair do dastardly things to the big heel, dusty roads and they thought it was legitimate. Yeah. Right? They thought that these men were actually poking forks into each other's faces. And in a lot of cases, they were. But now, after this shift, after this curtain was pulled back, now it's turned into a fandom that has been transformed to, like, like I said, you're sort of part of it. So what's really interesting to me about what you just said there is just that it is so much deeper of like a, a connection to it than just the lore or the etymology, you know what I mean? Of these yeah. words, right? It's very much a casting call to the fans in a lot of way ways. Yeah. I mean, there's the concepts of kayfabe and stuff like that, but even just as simply as uh, one of the most striking wrestling moments i've seen in the modern age and i'm sure you can you might even know exactly when this was um roman reigns i only saw this on like a youtube recap after the fact I, he had just won a title i don't know if it was at wrestlemania i don't know if it was like a fast lane or something like that but he had just won something important and it was his big triumphant moment as the face of wwe and the entire arena was booing him. 
if you are referring to the Royal Rumble in Philadelphia 2015 when The Rock came out and raised his hand to a chorus of boos, I was part of those boos. Yes, I it may have been that. That sounds about right for the time frame. But that completely transforms that moment. That goes from the triumph of the champion to the tragedy of the booking, right? Like that's that's it completely changes the dynamic. It's such a, a an artful and so like accurate way to put it, right? right. Like it the tragedy of the booking yeah. is we're going to come back to that over the course of this show a lot. But I'm so glad that we're already off to a great start with this because it's going to make the show so much fun, right? Yeah. And so before we get started, I kind of want to give a recap or kind of like an overview into some of the ways that I think would be good for those of our audience that might want to follow along, right? So what's going to be interesting about this is that, like Scott said, there is a lot of wrestling that we're going to be watching, but wrestling matches for the most part, don't last longer than 20-ish minutes, right? It's not, it's pretty rare that you see a match go the distance, as they say. Um, and usually when it does, there's a very Im impactful storyline reason. It's certainly not because these guys just decided to go out there and have a fucking barn burner for the hell of it, right? Right. So we're going to be watching a lot of matches, but it's not going to be like an overly obsessive amount of uh, uh, of content. Right. So what I think we're going to do, and I think the best way to go about this is. On our Twitter, we'll pin a tweet to the top on our Instagram, we'll do a story where you can just go access the highlights where we'll list all this stuff. But we are going to watch um, a couple matches that are available on a few different platforms. If you subscribe to Peacock, you can view these on the uh, Peacock section for WWE, where they transferred the WWE network over to Peacock. And I know that Peacock is extremely popular. So if you have that, it's very easy to watch them there for the WWF, WWE stuff. We are not going to be watching very many, uh, very many matches outside of mainline wwe um, we'll be talking about some things like ecw and wcw a little bit but we're not going to be watching anything that's like mega hard to find um, we're going to be watching a couple of matches from ring of honor that are free and available on youtube which we will post the 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 links to so very very easy to, to find there um, and then finally um aew um, is going to be a, a major content factor in uh, in our shill here uh, coming up over the next several weeks. And so you can find that content on demand on Hulu, on the TNT app, on demand on your cable box, um, all sorts of places. Um, so I'll be sure to post the, uh, some information about where to find AEW stuff. And um, we are actually, I'm going to roll back a little bit. We are going to watch a match from New Japan Pro Wrestling, which is both available on New Japan Pro Wrestling World, and you can find it for, for free somewhere um, legitimate. I can't remember the name of the site for the life of me, but I'll be sure to post that. So it's not going to be a lot of stuff that's going to be hard to find. You won't have to go out of your way to bend over backwards to find this content. Um, it's going to be pretty accessible for everybody. 
And um, I would recommend just sort of engaging with it in the way that that we just have the show set up, which is we'll sort of discuss a, a briefly a little bit about what we're going to be watching first. And then we'll do uh, a break of some sort, whether that's in the middle of an episode or it's a, a two part episode where we'll go watch um, that specific content and then we'll come back and do a retro on it. So um did I miss anything, Scott? Do you have any questions? Oh, I have lots of questions already. You said a whole <laughs> lot of shit, my dude. It sounds sure like a did. lot. I'm excited, though. Yeah, man. And I think the best way to get us kicked off here is with a little round of where in the world is Vince McMahon Diego? Oh, my God. I, this is my favorite game show. I can't believe I made it on. How you doing, Pat Sajak? I'm doing well, Scott. A thin... Yeah, I think Scott is short for Scottathan. That's definitely what it's short for. So we are going to test a little bit of your knowledge of some wrestling lingo and some some insider knowledge. I'm going to te- I'm going to see where you're at here. You gave a little bit little bit of a clue in here when you mentioned K-Fabe. So so I think we're going to start with that, Scott. Tell me about K-Fabe. What is K-Fabe? My understanding of K-Fabe it's a very meta term because it itself is hard to define. It is evolving. But generally speaking, it is the act. It is the out of ring, sometimes in the ring performance that implies a reality that is not the case. It is the man insulting the other wrestlers, wife or significant other on social media or in promos. It is the sell before the walkout to the mat. It is the personality that Triple H wears, both when he's in corporate and on camera and he's in the ring. It is the total package that implies the wrestling reality as we're watching it, right? Terrific summary. Um, I would probably, I would probably inscribe that as the definition. You, you flatter professional wrestling, Scott. I would probably go back to the well, Wikipedia definition of the presentation of professional wrestling as being entirely legitimate or unscripted. And you are correct in that there are many layers to kayfabe. That is the one thing I understand about wrestling because it is my favorite part of wrestling. Yes. And prior to um, the mid 80s, uh, this was universally maintained across all of professional wrestling to a really extreme degree. Mm-hmm. Um, there there have been a couple times where like stories have come out about people breaking kayfabe. Right. Yeah. yeah. When it was faux pas to do so. and it not turning out well there are just as many stories of the lengths that wrestlers would go to to not break kayfabe mm-hmm. um one of the very famous um instances of this is hulk hogan going on television and choking out phil donahue yeah. <laughs> because phil donahue is like it's fake yeah. Hulk Hogan's like, you want to fucking see how fake it is, bitch? Yeah. <laughs> and he just puts him in a sleeper old and he fucking passes out and his head goes thunk and it, yeah. hits, it fucking hits the floor. And dude, 
the best part about this is they come back from commercial and Phil Donahue's there and he's got like blood coming out of his, the back of his fucking skull. And he's like, so yeah, we're back from break. Uh, And there was like this whole fucking court case over it. So like the lengths that these guys would go to, to protect the illusion, to protect the Mm -hmm. storyline, to protect their business for, and I'm going to use another pro wrestling term here that I'm going to use a lot over the course of the show, I'm sure. But most of these guys were doing this for nothing more than a hot dog and a handshake, right? That's what we're talking about with this dedication to the art form, right? So for me, I understand that kayfabe's got its definition and it is a wrestling term. This is not something that existed or exists anywhere else, but professional wrestling. Um, I think that in the modern definition, it goes much further than just the illusion that it is unscripted or legitimate. It is exactly as you said, right? It is the effort that it's gone to, to preserve the magic, right? Because we, we exist in a, in a reality era now where most people other than children and those of us that might not have the mental capacity for one way or the other to discern this. Yeah. It's, as it was before the curtain was lifted in the mid eighties, it is legitimate. It is real. And there is an acceptance amongst the fan base that it's, that this is sacred, that we have to preserve this. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the modern definition of kayfabe is, is much, much deeper than, um, you know, what it originated as for me. Right. I I mean, Uh, it's the most interesting part of wrestling. It's, I, I think that most people, at least our age, the social media age, I think that we're more accustomed to this idea because of the rise of social media and the fact that people practice kayfabe on their fucking timelines. Right. Correct. So, right. Yeah. Anyway, one of my favorite things about kayfabe is, uh, the many, the multitude of theories as to how it was, uh, the word was like incepted. Right. And Mm so, um, my favorite one, (laughs) yeah, and I don't know like any more anything more about this theory outside of just the general theory, but it's so fucking stupid that I love it. And that is that it, it claims the theory claims that there was actually a wrestler named Kay Fabian who was mute. And so that's why the coin was termed because he couldn't talk, but he could still wrestle. So it was Kay Fabe, right? It's so dumb, right? Yes. That, like I go back to this thing of a wrestler came up with that on the fly and it just got repeated. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that that's something that Cletus at the edge of the bar comes up with three beers deep. You know what I mean? Exactly. I there is a there's a story. Um there's a story that Pat Patterson tells of the the origin of the word where there was this guy that um, would bring the wrestlers their jackets, Mm -hmm. right? And so it became this. So Pat Patterson, Pat Patterson is like a legend, right? He um, wrestled like back in like way back in the day, right? Like he was old when I was a kid on TV, right? Right. So he's, I mean, he's 
largely listed as one of the greatest of all time. And he, he even cited the create like his own story of the creation of the word where, you know, some guy that was bringing like the wrestlers gear or their jackets or something would like hang it up in the locker room and like shout to them like, Hey, it's here. And they would say, okay, Fabe, you know what oh, I mean? Okay. And so they just had like, they needed to come up with a, a, a term for like to use in public right that nobody knew so they just adapted like this sort of meme word that they had in the locker room to refer to it so if they had to talk about the show in public they would refer to things about the show or about the competition as kayfabe this and kayfabe that and i think that's probably the yeah. most legitimate definition or story right the, that's i think it's another one of those things though where it's cooler if we don't know really yeah right exactly and like and that's that's another thing that we'll touch on a little bit too is that you know the reason that i kind of referred to fans being a part of the show is me wanting to choose my words a little bit carefully is because um there are many cases of that being too much of the case right right mm -hmm. um where fans uh sort of take it upon themselves to be a little bit too smart to what's going on and sort of ruin the experience for other people right right so to your point it's cooler when we don't know and i want to really hang on to that and i want i want to carry that through the next couple episodes of this so so let's hang on to that and let's okay. remember that 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 saying um and moving on from kayfabe one of my other favorite terms yeah. is shoot do you know what shoot means uh the thing that immediately came to my mind was i think that uh there is a finishing move i think isn't brett the hitman heart have a shoot but but i want to say that shoot is probably an act no sorry not an act like uh like an like an act of a movie like if you were to shoot a promo or something like that i that's my guess so Bret Hart's um, famous finishing move, the submission hold, is called the sharpshooter. So okay. you're right on there. Yeah. In the in the in the world in the world of pro wrestling, shoot the exact definition when a wrestler or personality deliberately goes off script, either by making oh. candid comments or remarks during an interview, breaking kayfabe, or legitimately attacking an opponent. Oh, okay. Now, shoot yes is a very you, you it's a very utility it's it's used as like a utility world word mm -hmm. in this world so that is exactly what it means it's like the opposite of keeping the magic right yeah like you said it's so when it's a shoot let me ask a, let me ask a quick question yeah. so one of the things that i do know the boston screw job for example Montreal could, screw job. Oh, sorry, Montreal screw job. Could that be considered? I think I got that mixed up with Boston crab. <laughs> could you? <laughs> could you consider that a shoot because it's this, actually part of the booking? This is a widely historically debated topic. It is a shoot, depending on who you ask. Okay, we'll put it that way. Okay. Let's talk about the Montreal screw job real quick. Okay. Just give a recap for those that might not know. Bret Hart in 1993, I think I might have the year wrong on that. It doesn't matter what you think. 
but in 1990, we're going to go with it. In 1993, Bret Hart was the WWF champion. And there was rumors that he was going to defect to WC. Maybe it was 95, but either way. It doesn't matter what you think. There were rumors that he was going to defect to WCW. At the time, WCW was the WWF's most hot competitor. They were stealing a bunch of talent from from WWF and getting a bunch of talent from outside of the country. And they were really making a push and they were harming WWF's ratings. And so it was like this huge deal when anybody would go over to WWF from WCW. So Shawn Michaels at the time, it was 97. I was way off. Forgive me, Steve. I uh, so at the time, Shawn Michaels was going to go into a match against Bret Hart. And the plan was Bret was like, I'm going to go to WCW just don't let me just don't make me drop the title in, in Canada. Right. Because Bret Hart was huge in Canada. He was massive. Right. Calgary native, part of the Hart dungeon, Stu Hart's son, brother of Owen Hart. The best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. Massive, massive talent. Huge deal for him to defect to WCW at this time. And when I talk about huge deal, I'm talking ratings in the fives and sixes that wrestling was getting at this point in time. Mm -hmm. I mean, ridiculous numbers you just don't see. So this was effectively Wayne Gretzky going to the LA Kings. Yeah. In the, in the world of wrestling. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Brett supposedly makes this agreement with Shawn Michaels and Vince McMahon that, Hey, I will drop it to Shawn, but it's going to be after SummerSlam because it's in Montreal. And I'm not dropping it in Canada. So, again, depending on who you ask, the story goes, we, the match unfolds, the Bret Hart, the finish is supposed to be, Shawn Michaels puts Bret Hart in the sharpshooter, his own move. Yeah. Oh, so disrespect. Boo! Right? Nobody right. likes to see that. And then... Bret Hart was supposed to like either roll him up or reverse it and put him in the sharpshooter. And then Sean was going to lose like by going by tapping or getting pinned or whatever. And so as soon as Sean Michaels puts Bret Hart in the sharpshooter, Vince McMahon comes running out from, from behind the scenes. And he's like calling for the bell to be rung. He's wagging his finger. He's like, ring the goddamn bell, ring the bell. And then they ring the bell. And Sean grabs the belt and just fucking runs out of the arena. Right. Yeah. So the story is they fucked over Brett. Brett was real mad. Big man tears. We all understand they've supposedly made up. But the Montreal screw job is probably the most famous wrestling moment ever that was televised. Yeah. Um, and it really like became this turning point in WWF's. Um, business at the time so that i am gonna say is absolutely a shoot because i do not believe for a fucking second that sean and vince were not in on this yeah sean michaels at the time is very famously a piece of shit oh yeah i mean he's, he's <laughs> he proves that through a large portion of his career so yes so like i totally believe it's a shoot so to answer your question long-windedly yes I would classify the Montreal screw job as a shoot. So you would be right on the money there. Okay. So 
I I believe I understand what a shoot is. So what's interesting about the term shoot is mm-hmm. that it's used in a multifaceted way. You will see things on the internet that are called shoot interviews, right? Something popular that gets done whenever a wrestler leaves WWF or WWE, or whatever. Rob Van Dam shoot interview about WWE. Yeah. Tommy and shoots on WWE NXT experience after being let go, you know, like yeah. stuff like that. Right. Um, but it's also used in a way to sell matches. So Japan got very famous back in the eighties and the nineties because one of their more popular forms of keeping kayfabe in Japanese wrestling was to basically have it mimic MMA. Right. And so they would put on these matches that were known as shoot wrestling matches, which were basically professional wrestling matches where the outcome was determined, but the guys would beat the fuck out of each other. Like, Oh, okay. They would work stiff, right? They're not pulling punches or like, so it's not trying, it's not trying to go out of their way to make it, to, to make it look good, but not hurt. They're beating the fuck. They're kneeing each other in the fucking face, throwing elbows at each other. It's not necessarily choreographed. Like, it's not like, okay, you're going to try and punch me this way. And I'm going to like reel back. It still is, but they're eating it. Oh, okay. It's yes. It's. And so over the course of time, this talk on took on a newer modern name that I think is really rad that we're going to talk about a lot during this show. And that is called strong style. Mm, yeah. So I've shoot heard wrestling kind of turned into strong style, right? Um, became a very popular form um, of late. Um, but that's one of my favorite terms. And it's something that we're going to be say that I'm going to be saying a lot because there's a very distinct uh, difference between a work and a shoot. Okay. And Hulk Hogan has a very famous saying that goes like this. Don't work yourself into a shoot, brother. Okay. And it's words that's words that I try to live by every day. <laughs> so there are a couple other things that I think are going to get a little bit more interesting here that are going to become relevant in our conversations. Do you know what gorilla position is? I have no goddamn idea. I've, well, I've, I'm going to put you in the gorilla position. Oh, don't threaten me with a good time. What do you think gorilla position is? If I had to guess, it's probably not in reference to like a wrestling move. It's probably something to do with how you're standing out in either a match or a booking or something like that, like being the monkey in the room. Gorilla position mm-hmm. refers to the spot right before the curtain when you walk out onto the entrance ramp. What? So like literally like the spot right before you come out for your intro, like the, the physical spot. Yep, the okay. physical spot before you walk out into so it, the arena. Because you're standing the there like a gorilla waiting for your cue. No, because, and this is one of the things that I love so much about pro wrestling, back in the day, who sat back there in the producer's booth before the entrance stage but Gorilla Monsoon. Really? So that just became Gorilla's position. Okay. Who's Gorilla Monsoon? Who's Gorilla Monsoon? Yes. Gorilla Monsoon, Gorilla Monsoon is a legend. Um, I will, in fact, live look up. Yeah. We're breaking kayfabe, folks. We're breaking kayfabe, yeah. 
I I don't recognize his name at all. I don't even know if he's a wrestler or a production crew or anything. He's an absolute legend. Um, we lost him in 1999. He was an absolutely incredible wrestler, um, pioneer of the industry. But most famously, and what I know him the most from, he was an on-screen personality with WWF and primarily an announcer. And he uh, was the uh, announcer next to Bobby Heenan and Vince McMahon for a lot of very, very classic matches. Um, so uh, if you're familiar with Bobby the Brain Heenan, um, that's who he announced with. And I'm going to show you a picture of Gorilla Monsoon right now. I'm going to send it to you standing next to uh, the late great legend Roddy Piper and he's in his very famous tinted glasses and his incredible tuxedo jacket with this uh, unbelievable I black bow tie and uh, this shot is from Survivor Series I'm sure at some point in the 80s and he just looks incredible that's Gorilla Monsoon I do recognize that guy after. looking at him yes. from like clips and stuff my most my favorite thing that he says is whenever Heenan, Bobby Heenan says something crazy, Gorilla will always snap back and he'll say, oh, will you stop? Yeah. <laughs> it just makes everything is he so the much better. Is he the straight man? He is the straight man. Okay. Yes. He is the straight man. Um, so another thing that we're going to be talking about a lot here is the IWC. I Do you know what the IWC is? Something wrestling something. That's correct. In <laughs> Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, our hometown, yeah, it stands for International Wrestling Cartel, and that's our local. Uh, it's probably our biggest local promotion. Um, they've got a school. They've produced such talents as current AEW's Women's Champion Britt Baker, uh, current AEW talent Wardlow, and uh, they've had a lot of people come through that have been their uh, champions, such as CM Punk. Um, oh who wow! Was yeah, the I, IWC I've Super Indie Champion? Guy. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, lots of guys have come through IWC and have graced our presence here in Pittsburgh, but IWC, unfortunately, is not who I'm referring to with this IWC. This IWC is my least favorite IWC, and it is the Internet Wrestling Community. Oh, okay. The IWC in modern wrestling has been as much of a blessing as it's been a curse. We are, unfortunately uh burdened with a, an art form that is both fake and real and people on the internet say really dumb shit so you can imagine that this is a combination that does not really bode well for the most part chris are you about to tell me that there's a fandom for something that is full of stupid people Yes, I I have never had experience with liking a thing where the fandom was full of stupid people. You've never liked Star Wars. I've never liked Marvel. I've never liked the first season of Rick and Morty. You I've don't never like liked, cheese. I've never liked anime. I've never liked wine. <laughs> I've never liked. I've never liked wine. <laughs> Sour grapes. Yeah, sour grapes. The IWC is a really uh, interesting part of the history of pro wrestling at this point because they've been responsible for a lot of positive change. And we are going to touch on the Yes movement later on in this arc because it's it's a sh it's a shift in wrestling culture. It truly is. Um, there came a time around 2014 where. Um, 
I, I don't think I, I think that it sort of went to the tune of Vince McMahon saying it is literally impossible to ignore these motherfuckers anymore. Right. Yeah. The Internet became a thing um, that completely changed the way that wrestling was discussed in that dirt sheets. Do you know what dirt sheets are? Mm-mm. Dirt sheets is a fr- is a is a term that refers to like wrestling newsletters. And so they're called dirt sheets because it's like insider or backstage uh, info. Okay. So the most famous dirt sheet writer ever, Dave Meltzer, works for Wrestling Observer Newsletter and has like he's like the most trusted, reliable American source, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Internet changed a lot of the way that dirt sheets were done. Right. You no longer had to be somebody that had a publication that somebody could or would call or write into and you would get sources and have to go out and do this stuff to get this information that appears on these dirt sheets that is the behind the scenes stuff the stuff that nobody knows who's getting signed who's getting released right twitter what happened twitter.com is free anybody.com exactly anybody can make an account at twitter.com exactly so the iwc became a really big player in the history of pro wrestling and so when we refer to the iwc across this arc we are referring to the internet wrestling community okay so now I have a couple qualifying questions for you. Yes. I think a lot of why I like pro wrestling can be really tied to a lot of the things that we've already discussed on this show. Specifically between anime mm-hmm. and fighting games. And this is something that I think is really important for us to lean into here and something that I want to highlight a lot about the content that we're going to be watching is specifically why it pops me, right? Yeah. So tell me some of the things just generally that you like about fighting games. Why do you like fighting games? I think I know where you're going with this because I think that the reason I get so passionate about fighting games, the reason fighting games are my sports. I watch some form of fighting game playback almost every single day. I watch Tekken. I watch Strive now. I watch Street Fighter. And part of that is this sense of belonging's not the word. The, I'm going to use the word buy-in. I have bought in to this medium. I am extending part of myself into it and allowing it to inflate me and then using that energy to like inflate back into the thing. Mm -hmm. I am allowing myself to get hype. I am allowing myself to care about the storylines and get emotional about the storylines. I am allowing myself to take it seriously, even though I am a 30 year old man with a mortgage. Right. Yeah. And, that's really something that I like about fighting games. When I'm playing them, I can allow myself to feel cool for doing combos or smart for winning in neutral, right? I, I am putting a part of myself into it and seeing something reflected back. Yeah. Professional wrestling for me encapsulates everything that I love about fighting games and comic books and combat sports into a single digestible package. Mm -hmm. And for me, I think a lot of that comes from fighting games specifically. 
coming from a place where you're discovering those things on your own beyond the personal uh, input aspect of it and beyond uh, some of the things that you would, you know, uh, qualify as like, you know, things that you put in, you need to have something to grab you. And for me, that was always the characters. Yeah. The thing that I love the most about fighting games are the characters. I yeah. love seeing who I can select. I love seeing who I can fight. And most importantly, I love seeing who exists in this world. And we've talked about this on, on past episodes, but it's why I say things to myself like, is his fucking sword a lighter? Yes. Right. Right. It's a Zippo lighter. And you're like, holy, you have the, the fucking gift from uh, Tim and Eric Austin show, the, the, the galaxy exploding in your brain. Like, what the fuck? Yes. Right. Yeah. And furthermore, you look at things like, uh, you know, um, these extending tendrils of lore mm-hmm. that all of these characters have. Wrestling has this. Wrestling has this in spades. Wrestling has every character, every person you see on your television screen themselves have their own individual traceable lore that is more often than not shown on television. You are a part of the story of this fighting game character that you're going to go watch beat somebody's ass for no other reason than just to be hype about it. Yeah. So I look at professional wrestling in a way that is almost like a, uh, a Venn diagram of all of the things that pop me about the individual tangential things that I love. And wrestling is just plopped right in the middle. So when I hear you talk about getting, allowing yourself to get hype, buying in, putting something in, letting it inflate you and allowing yourself to get hype. This really is such a core aspect of why wrestling works for the reason that it does, because I'm going to pull from our Yakuza shill. It is in a lot of cases hype for the sake of hype, but you have all this backstory to it where individual characters that are, performing these incredible feats that you're going nuts over have this inherent baked in lore. So it becomes almost for me the same kind of experience as watching a top eight Evo where it's soul versus Ramlethal, right? And it's not so much a lot of the times, I don't know, I'm just going to throw out names, Goichi versus Sonic Fox but it's fucking soul versus Ram. Yeah. Well, that's, I, I am right there with you. And this is something that I have enjoyed about wrestling when I was into it and I watched it because what gets me emotional, even beyond, uh, like true fighting, like watching a fight in guilty gear XR. I don't know if you know this, there is a conspicuous absence of a song in the game. You know this song because I was so excited about it. I talked to you. It's the string version from Guilty Gear 2 of Kai's theme song, which is called Holy Orders, Be Just or Be Damned. Yeah. If you knock Kai down in a match five times, he will stand up 
his hair, which was in a ponytail, will fall down, revealing his golden locks. And the song will immediately shift to the string version of Be Just or Be Damned because Kai is pissed off now. Yes. You've awoken <laughs> the dragon. When, That's exactly. When Steve Austin's theme song plays in the middle of a match and he comes out on stage and he's whacks Vince McMahon with a chair or maybe it was <laughs> Triple H because Triple H was trying to interfere in the fight. And then Mankind rolls over and pins him and wins the title. I think that's what happened. Maybe I'm mixing up two fights, right? That's you the, got it. That's the same emotion. That's the music pops. And you're like, oh, my God, the hero or the antihero. But the hero is going to come save the day, right? Yep. Right. Yeah. It. It has that framing is what i want to call it right and it's not all great right it's it's never it's nothing that is produced on the scale that professional wrestling is produced on mm -hmm. is ever going to be 100 percent awesome 100 percent of the time but the, the the ring posts of this art form really combine to make what i think is a confluence of all the things that make the con the type of content that we like great. I was just reading one piece today and something similar, you know what I mean? Like uh, I, I actually went back and I was looking at uh, the first volume mm -hmm. and cause I was, I was trying to find this one particular scene cause I couldn't remember. Um, I couldn't remember the, the uh, guy's name that shows up in the first volume where they're in the village uh the the mountain the mountain bandits i couldn't remember i was trying to think of the guys the the main guy's name he's a nothing character mm -hmm. but i was trying to think because i saw something i was talking to somebody earlier and i saw something that reminded me of him and i went back and i was like i just i couldn't resist right i just kept reading a little bit and there's that moment where just like now that i've read a little bit further in i understand a little luffy's character a little bit more but there's that moment where he he takes the knife and he's like, I'll show you how tough I am. And he's oh, like yeah. a nine year old kid and he jams it in his face. Yeah. And like, that's such a Luffy thing to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? That when you see it, because you know, it's Luffy, you just pop for it. You're like, yes. Yeah. You know, like it's so funny, you know? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, so I, I have all of these things that I'm pulling from both old and both new and Everything for me comes back to pro wrestling because it was the first for me. It was the second in a lot of ways. And it is the constant. It's the thing that I go back to whenever I need something to make me feel like myself. And I think that I go back to that because I see so much of what I love in other content all within this tight package of pro wrestling. And it's more than just the art form. Right. It's more than just the spectacle. Um, there are so many social aspects to it that we're going to get into that I can't wait to talk about. Mm -hmm. The counterculture aspect of it, the, the attitude era, the video games, the other the other types of media, the tangential third party media like that, that just really goes to enhance the experience of being a fan. And then furthermore, what it's like whenever something leaves you. And then finds you later whenever you need it. Right. right. Mm -hmm. So this is something that 
I'm just probably going to talk way too much about, but I'm just at the end of it. What I'm hoping for is I'm hoping that you are at least interested enough to keep watching pay-per-views with me. Okay. I think that's <laughs> and a pretty, keep up with the storylines. I think that's a pretty realistic goal. I mean, yeah. it's it's I I don't think I made this a secret. We did not create kayfabe where I'm like, oh, wrestling stupid bullshit, you dumb baby. <laughs> I I don't mind wrestling. It's yeah. for me, it's an accessibility thing. And when I I actually I I think we talked about this. I was a fan uh several years ago. Not that I'm not now, but I was a super fan of Giant Bomb which is a video game publication. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Gersman, a uh, bunch of uh, really big new uh, names in games journalism. One of which is now a wrestling journalist. Uh, he is a podcaster or something, I think for the WWE, uh, Dan Riker. So, uh, yeah, which is crazy. Yes. Awesome. But because he was on that show and because all the rest of the giant bombers were wrestling fans, they were talking up a storyline uh, I think this is circa 2016. I think it was mm-hmm. Fastlane 2016. They were oh, talking God. up the storyline. And I was like, you know, I'll go and give wrestling an honest shot. They're making this stuff sound somewhat interesting. And I was just so fucking bored <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> and I just I, I got to this point of, man, it was a pain in the ass to get this. And I'm just not that interested. And I, it fell off for me. So for me, it's it's just that thing of I because it's not something I can just easily pop in and look at. Like, I can't just scroll over it on Netflix and click on it. I yep. haven't been there for it. But yeah, I am going to probably um, come across like an AEW fanboy throughout this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to be pretty upfront with that right now, just because uh, I am. I mean, I'm not an AEW fanboy to the extent where I'm going to say nothing WWE does is good. Yeah, but I am an AEW fanboy because they currently house my favorite wrestlers. Um, and they're just, they just keep fucking signing more of them. But um, but I'm going to come across like that a little bit, right? AEW is my focus here for you, yeah. um, because I think that it is both the most accessible. Mm-hmm. Because it's not on, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's on cable television. So if you have YouTube live, Hulu live, cable at all, it's very easy to find. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they've got a YouTube show that supplements their storylines that they filmed themselves and they had, had been doing since before AEW launched that allows you to engage with the product while it's not on television. Um, and they've got the most, relatable storylines for me right it's not that current wwe or even recent wwe is bad a lot of what they do is good in fact i just watched money in the bank yesterday because i had the day off work Mm -hmm. and most of the card was lights out it was fucking it was a great show i was i was thoroughly sports entertained like yeah they hit and they can still hit but there is a certain care and a certain focus in AEW right now on the wrestling product, not the stock exchange product, not the brand, 
not the toys, not the movies, not the network, not the w- wrestling, not WWE 2K20, which correct. won't run in 2K20. Yeah, correct. And like AEW's got some games coming out, right? And they have mm-hmm. all that stuff on their scale. But their focus is so very clearly the wrestling mm-hmm. that I think that it is for people like us. I think that it is the right product right now at the right time. And that's ultimately my goal here, because mm-hmm. I think that we can't get to AEW and why it is so good without first going back to what makes pro wrestling as good as I think it is. And so similar to the anime show, I can't just drop you into Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. I cannot drop you into the middle of the greatest pro wrestling angle in the past several years. I can't drop you into the middle of the anxious millennial cowboy hangman Adam Page and expect you to understand why it's so good right now without first understanding why it was very important for Brett Michael or for Brett Michaels, Brett Hart and Shawn Michaels to exceed their 60 minute time limit mm-hmm. in their Iron Man match. So we've got to go back there first so that you can experience the glory of cowboy shit. Okay. I'm excited. So with, I am too, man. And I, I honestly like one of the things that I can't wait to see your reaction to the most is um, a lot of the new Japan stuff. And it's specifically because I think that um, they really capture a lot of the things that we like about the way that stuff like Yakuza is presented in a pro wrestling way. It's the cell of absurdity, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And and don't get me wrong, like WWE and Western wrestling and AEW and all that shit, they do this stuff, right? And they have their own well, brand of it. But there is the type. Yeah. You well, know? you showed me that set one time of Kenny Omega wrestling like an eight year old. Right. Yeah. Like that was incredible. <laughs> Dude, people were so fucking mad about that. Well, people, like, people are dumb. And idiots. Well, here's well, yeah, this is the crazy thing, right? Like, people weren't mad about it because he was like, Oh, he's wrestling a girl, right? You had like old heads and like Jim Cornette getting on their fucking podcast and being like, It's a disgrace to wrestling. Yeah. And it's like, shut the fuck yeah, up, well, it's like, dude. It's funny. Yeah, well, it's like, dude, I'm the biggest Marvel hater of all time, but I'm not gonna go up there and say that like fucking black widow is a disgrace to marvel comics you know what i mean like right get over yourself like it's a shit movie and i don't want to watch it but come on we are literally talking about carnies in a lot of ways you know what i mean and like again i know that's kind of i know that's kind of derogatory and i don't mean it in a derogatory way but like it's just to to go back and show you the point that like as serious as we're going to be talking about this kind of stuff and as emotional as I'm going to get while we're talking about it, it's wrestling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's wrestling. It's we're not fucking dealing with Othello. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's got the highest highs. It's got the lowest lows. At the end of the day, it's muscular men rest, rolling around in their underwear. It's the modern day men's soap opera 
right? Yeah. It's it's gorgeous and it's stupid. And that's why we love it. Yeah. D Generation X once rolled up in a tank to the set of Nitro, right? Oh my god. Like, dude. Yeah, this is truly the pinnacle of art. So the guys that started AEW did that to WWE about four years ago. <laughs> <You serious? laughs> yeah, but that's they really, did it in a really meme cool. way. That's they really did cool. it in a meme way where they showed up as Bullet Club and were too sweet and sucking it and everything. <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm telling you, we're we're in for a good one here. Yeah. Well, you can tune in to the rest of this right here on King of the Show, as well as at themanyfolds.com, where all of our episodes are listed, as well as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Amazon, Google, the whole shebang. You can find our socials at The Many Folds on Instagram and Twitter, which we got to get in the habit of using more, but I always forget about it because I myself am not a very big social media user. Not but I made a promise on the podcast today to post information on our Instagram, and so I'm going to do that tomorrow probably. Yeah. And we're going to have the list there for you. Listen. It's going to be a long one, a longish one, probably around the same length as the anime arc, maybe an episode or two more. But again, like I said, we're going to be sparsing some mini-sodes in here and there in between the wrestling to make sure that you're not too sick of hearing me talk about why I love the Bullet Club as much as I do. Sprinkling some other content in there. I'm sprinkling like Salt Bay. Yeah, I'm going to need a break too, probably. I'm probably going to start saying like, wrestling words on my conference calls for work listen man when we finally get to okada omega at dominion Mm -hmm. you're gonna be saying some wrestling words i'll tell you that right now all right all right scott i'll see you next time and until then too sweet brother cream of the crop Oh, yeah, 180 degrees. <laughs> and then another 360. I'm an animal. Yeah, yeah you know me, Gene. Yeah, the cream always rises to the